continuing in the series that we just started last week, One and Others. And as we began the series last week, we talked about a command and a challenge that is not easy by any stretch, but is necessary, commanded, and also uh, something that we are given the ability and the power to do because we can't do it on our own. And that is to love one another, not just the way we want to be loved or according to how other people love us. We, we started off last week by talking about the love that we are to have for one another being the way that Christ loved us. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. And we talked about what that means and the implications of that, how significant that is and what that requires. And it's a hard thing. And everything we're going to be looking at in this series is is hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, it's above us, it's beyond us, and we need, therefore, divine power in order to do it. As we continue on in the series, today's area of focus, as we look at another command of what we are to do to one another, how we are to be with one another, it's also extremely hard. It's not natural for us. And that, of course, is to forgive one another. That's what we're called to do. It's what we're commanded to do, to forgive one another. And just like our beginning of the series last week and talking about loving one another, this too does not come easy at all. Part of the reason that doesn't come easy is because we are trained, we have ingrained in us, a certain way of looking at forgiveness, a certain way of thinking about forgiveness, and a lot of that comes from society, from our culture. Here's what society says, just some of the things that society says about forgiveness, how they approach it, how they view it. Society says forgiveness equals weakness. Forgiveness equals weakness. If you forgive someone, you're giving them the power. So you're displaying your weakness. And don't do that. You need to avoid forgiving easily because you're going to make yourself weak. You're going to make yourself vulnerable. You're at the mercy of of the people that you are forgiving. and, And maybe they don't need to be forgiven. So forgiveness equals weakness. That's what society says. Another thing society says and a message that gets carried loud and clear is don't forgive, get even. Don't forgive, get even. Maybe you've heard a variation of that. You've seen a bumper sticker. It's been around a long, long time. I don't get mad. I get even. Kind of goes along with that. There's a philosophy very present in our society. Don't forgive. Deal out retribution. Get even. Another thing society says and communicates is forgiveness is possible, but it has to be earned. Forgiveness has to be earned. Yeah, I'll forgive, but I'm going to require that you do several things for me. I'm going to require that you are a certain way to me. Then we'll talk about forgiveness. It's conditional, in other words. So those are some of the things that society says and communicates about forgiveness. And maybe, maybe you've said the same thing one or two times. Maybe you've felt it, even if you haven't expressed it. What we want to do, like everything else in life... We want to recognize what society says, but we also want to compare what society says with what God's Word says. That's what we always want to do and need to do. Do you agree with that? 
that we need to take everything and compare it against God's Word, that that is the standard by which we weigh everything, what God's Word says. So, in terms of forgiving one another, here's what God's Word says about that. Ephesians 4.32, I would invite you to look at that with me, Ephesians 4.32, that's the end of that chapter, and we'll also go into the first two verses of chapter 5. So Ephesians 4.32 and to chapter 5, verse 2. Here's God's Word to us. The Apostle Paul writing, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, verse 32, Be kind, be kind, to one another, tender-hearted, not hard-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And here's the measure of our forgiveness. Here's what we compare our forgiveness to. Here's what we stack our forgiveness up against and our standard for our forgiveness, the way we forgive one another. You ready? Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. Is there any greater example, any higher level of forgiveness than what God demonstrated and expressed in forgiving us? It's a pretty easy answer, really, but it's hard to apply that. There's no greater example or level of forgiveness than for God, perfect, holy, almighty, righteous, just, to forgive us rebellious, selfish, self-focused, self-absorbed, sinful, unrighteous people. No greater demonstration of miraculous forgiveness than what we find from God through Jesus in forgiving all of us freely, God has never once said to someone, I'll forgive you if. You do this and this and this and this and, and we'll pile up a bunch of, of things and then we'll, we'll evaluate it and if it's enough, I might forgive you. God has never said that. God freely forgives. If you have accepted God's forgiveness this morning, if you're here and you've accepted His forgiveness through His Son and the work that He did on the cross, you stand here forgiven, you receive that forgiveness freely. But the reason you were able to receive that freely, the reason God freely forgives is because Jesus paid for your forgiveness with His life. So the forgiveness that was free to us, that is free to us, cost God everything. It cost the Father His Son. It cost the Son His life. That's how God forgives. That's the measure of His forgiveness. And that's our example, as we see here, that we are to follow. And that's what we are to model in our forgiveness one to another. Wow. Am I right? Wow. I told you. I told you this was hard. This isn't easy. Let's continue reading verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, so in, in light of what was just said, 
In light of the fact that we are to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you, here's the continuation of that thought. Therefore, be imitators of God. Imitate God in His forgiveness. The way He has forgiven us freely, unconditionally, abundantly, through Christ, we are to follow that example. Imitate that. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us. We talked about that last week at length. And gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's what this means for us. Very practically. We, we together, all of us that are in Christ... We were forgiven by God when we had, listen, no right to be. So we, in response, have no right whatsoever not to forgive others. That's the connection. You see that, don't you? We were forgiven by God when we had no right whatsoever to be. We did not, we could not, we will never deserve His forgiveness. What we deserved, what was ours by rights, what is fair to us, is to have His judgment fall on us, to have His wrath fall on us. That's what we deserve. That's what's ours by rights. But we didn't get that because of grace because of mercy we have the ability to receive forgiveness instead of judgment and we had no right to that whatsoever so we in turn have no right whatsoever to withhold forgiveness from anyone else and this doesn't mean if the person deserves to be forgiven This doesn't mean if they are worthy of our forgiveness. This doesn't mean any of those conditions that we naturally are prone to attach to our forgiveness. This means we are to forgive no matter what because we were forgiven all of our sins before God without Him stopping to think about it for a second. Without Him applying some sort of condition to it. Freely. Unconditionally. And if anybody deserved not to be forgiven, it's you and it's me. And yet we were forgiven anyway. No strings attached. No strings attached forgiveness. That's what we're called to exhibit. That's what we're called to demonstrate. That's what we're called to give because we've received no strings attached forgiveness by a holy God. Matthew 18, 21-35 records Peter asking a really important question of Jesus, and it's followed in an answer by Jesus giving a parable in response that demonstrates what we just talked about. The fact that we have been forgiven when we shouldn't have been. We have no right to forgiveness that we have received. And then in turn, we are to give forgiveness freely to others like we have received. This passage really powerfully communicates that truth, powerfully illustrates what we're talking about here and really what Ephesians 4.32 is all about. Matthew 18.21-35, in verse 21, we read this, Then Peter approached him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, 
How many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? That'd be pretty good, right? This is probably in response to what Jesus had just said previously, and it's recorded in the chapter ahead of this section, what he had said about agreement and about unity and about forgiveness. Just a few weeks ago, as we were in our last series, Pastor Matthew brought a message on this chapter, Matthew 18, and on what that's really all about. And it's about that agreement and that unity, and it's about true forgiveness And so Jesus had just got done giving a a really long and detailed discourse on that. And so Peter is probably responding to that in this, this section. And he probably hoped to sound really loving and really righteous. I mean, it's Peter, after all. And he wanted to sound really righteous and really loving by suggesting that forgiving a brother up to seven times was really something. And in his mind, it was because... Three times, kind of a three strikes you're out philosophy was the, the thinking of the day. It was what was taught by many of the rabbis of that time as the acceptable limit. Yes, forgive, but there's a limit to forgiveness. You can only forgive so many times. We've got to put a limit on it. Aren't you glad God doesn't put a limit on, on his forgiveness? Neither are we to put a limit on how we forgive others. And that's the point that's going to be conveyed here. And that's the point that Jesus communicates to Peter in response. Because three times was the acceptable limit. That's what was taught and understood. That's why Peter said, hey, I'll go farther than that. I'll exceed what is the acceptable norm. How about seven times, Jesus? That's good, right? Verse 22, Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, Jesus was not giving a limit as well and just making it a larger limit. He wasn't giving a specific mathematical number there. The point he was conveying, and it would have been understood by Peter, was no, Peter, what I'm looking for, what I'm calling you to do, is to give forgiveness in an unlimited measure, an unlimited amount. No limits to your forgiveness, Peter. Because I'm not going to have limits that I place on my forgiveness toward you. My father is not going to have limits on his forgiveness for you. And I don't want you to have limits either. That's the point he was getting across. And then to really cement that point and to illustrate that, to make sure Peter did understand, he told this parable. To illustrate that. Verse 23. For this reason... The unlimited forgiveness. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents, which would have been the equivalent of 200,000 years worth of wages. 200,000 years worth of wages. In other words, an eternity. I mean, you get that, right? 200,000 years worth of paying back. That would be an eternity. There would be no way that this servant could have paid back what he owed. And that's the point. That's the significance of this. It's a debt he could not pay. He owed a debt he could never have hoped 
to have repaid 200,000 years worth, an eternity worth of debt. It was brought before him. Verse 25, since he did not have the money to pay it back, I would say not. Of course not, right? His master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, please, and and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. He forgave an eternity's worth of debt. And it would be great if the story ended there, but it, it didn't. Verse 28. That servant that just got forgiven this incredible, just unthinkable level of debt, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That, that was worth three and a half months worth of salary. So, I mean, not, not an insignificant amount, three and a half months of wages, of pay, but compared to what this servant had been forgiven himself, it doesn't even compare, right? It doesn't even come close. 200,000 years worth of debt compared to three and a half months worth of debt. He owed him a hundred denarii and he grabbed him. He started choking him and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down just like he had done with the master and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. And then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed, which, of course, would never happen. In verse 35, Jesus brings it home, brings the point that he was trying to make. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. This powerful story that illustrates so well Jesus' point of what forgiveness is really supposed to be like, the way we are to forgive one another like we are forgiven by God, this isn't meant to just be conceptual. It's not meant to be just philosophical. It's meant to be highly applicable. It's meant to be real-time relatable in our lives. And it's not meant for just the light, easy stuff that's really easy to forgive. The things that just don't matter that much. The insignificant. No, this concept, this truth, this reality of what forgiveness is really to be like and how our forgiveness is to be shaped and given, it's also for the brutally hard stuff the agonizingly heavy offenses, the things that have been done to us, said to us, said about us, the things that have been withheld from us that just absolutely wreck your life, that break your heart. 
the heavy things that everybody around you would say, well, that's just unforgivable. How many times have you heard that? That's just too much. I can't forgive that. How many times have you thought that? How many times have you said in your heart, if not out loud, that's, I, I can't, I won't. The forgiveness that Jesus is talking about, the forgiveness that we're commanded in Ephesians 4.32, the forgiveness that we receive from God and we are to then deal out to other people around us, it's for all of that. It's for the heavy, the hard. The things that are naturally to us, indeed unforgivable, we're still called to forgive. All of that still calls for our forgiveness. And our forgiveness, church, listen, our forgiveness, when when we forgive one another, it's not to be based on the person or people involved. In other words, I don't base my forgiveness on who you are and how you are. We don't base our forgiveness on the people that are directly involved in the offense. We don't gauge our forgiveness according to who they are and how they are and what they do. It's also not based on how we feel. Well, I I just, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I just don't feel like forgiving them. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've said. You don't know how bad this hurts. And maybe I don't, but you know who does? God, who still says, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. He didn't say, if it's easy He didn't say if you feel up to it, if you feel like forgiving. In other words, it's not based on an emotional response. It's based on a supernatural reality. It's not based on people deserving forgiveness or or whether or not they forgive us. That's not what we base our forgiveness on. Hey, I'll forgive you if you have forgiven me. No, there's no condition that's permitted here. It's based on divine forgiveness. It's based on the divine forgiveness that we could never be worthy of and by rights we never should have been given, but we were and we are. That's what we base our forgiveness with one another on, church. The forgiveness that we have received that we never should have and that we are continually given. I said this is meant to be practical. I said this is meant to be applied to the unthinkable situations that we might find ourselves in. This is meant to carry over into the extremely difficult and what everybody normally, naturally, humanly would say, oh, well, that's just unforgivable. It's meant to carry over into that, right? I've said that. I've hammered that home. And to illustrate how real and how true that is, I want to share with you a story, a true story of someone's incredible forgiveness that was beyond them, that that did not come from inside them. It came from outside of them and was given to them, given the ability to forgive what everybody would understandably call unforgivable. That story comes to us from an amazing woman named Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom hid Jews in her home during World War II. And when she was caught, she was sent to a concentration camp where she was stripped of any dignity or normal humanity. She saw her father and her sister Betsy die. She personally suffered more from the Nazis in the form of torture 
dehumanization than we could possibly imagine. And that's what makes what she wrote in her autobiography, The Hiding Place, so astounding and so convicting. I want to share with you an excerpt from The Hiding Place as it relates to this concept of forgiving one another. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former guard at the shower door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men. The heaps of clothing. Betsy's pain-filled face. He came up to me as the church was emptying. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. And his hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who preached so often about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus... I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. I forgive you, brother, I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, a former guard and a former prisoner. And I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And don't miss this part. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on His. When He tells us to love our enemies, He gives, along with the command, the love itself. Wow. That, that is completely countercultural. That is totally opposite of what is our our natural and expected reaction within our fallen humanity. Remember, society says certain things about forgiveness. Here's one more. Society says, I will forgive, but I won't forget. I will forgive, but I will not forget. That's too much. Aren't you glad God doesn't operate that way? 
Aren't you glad that God doesn't say to you and me, I'll forgive you, but I will never forget what you have done, what you haven't done. God doesn't do that. God doesn't say that. Corey ten Boom, not naturally but supernaturally, was able to get to the point of not saying that any longer, releasing all of it. You see, here's another thing about God. God can't forget anything, but He chooses not to remember our sin. God can't forget anything. I mean, He's God. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He keeps all information. There's nothing He doesn't know. There's nothing He would ever forget. Which is what makes it all the more powerful that God, in His power, chooses not to to remember, not to recall, not to bring up and hold over our heads all of our many, many sins. How do I know that's true? His Word makes it very clear. Psalm 103, 10-12 says this. Oh, I love this passage. Psalm 103, 10-12. He, God, does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Hallelujah! Right? It doesn't get any better than that. Isaiah 43.25 along the same lines. Here's another promise. I, I am He, God saying this, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You see, not because we deserve it, but because of who He is. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Amen. He could. He should. But he doesn't. And if God, being who he is, is willing to do that for us, being who we are, Who do we think we are to say to anyone, I won't forgive you? We just don't have that liberty, Christian. What it means to be a Christian is to be one who forgives as we have been forgiven. So I leave you with these two questions. In light of all of that, Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive right now, today, this week? Who have you left out of forgiveness that needs it from you? That's the first question. And right along with that, Who do you need to ask 
to forgive you. Because that goes right along with it. Maybe you, you need to give someone the chance to forgive you by asking for their forgiveness. So it works both ways. Who do you need to forgive? And who do you need to ask to forgive you? To be a Christian is to be one that forgives and in humility asks for forgiveness. That's what is to mark us and to mark our lives. And so I want to invite you to sit with those questions. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. I mean, right now, ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you who you need to forgive that you haven't and who maybe you need to ask to forgive you. Don't continue to carry a weight of unforgiveness around any longer. Go to them. Find them this week, if not today. Let's sit with this for a moment or two. Let's ask God to reveal to us what we need to do about this. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that though this challenge that we have received and heard from your word, though it is not easy, I thank you that like loving one another with that command, you give us the ability, you give us the power to do this command as well, to forgive one another as we have been forgiven by you. This is alien to us. This is foreign to us. We don't have in us the ability to do this. But you knew that. And so just like with the command to love and the ability to love one another that we need, that we didn't have ourselves, through your Spirit, by your Spirit, and by His power, you have given each and every one of us equal power, equal ability to forgive one another as we have been forgiven by you. Please, please, Father, fill us all with your Spirit. Fill us with the ability to forgive one another. Even if it is impossible to us, knowing that it is not impossible for you, and it is not impossible by you, and by your strength and your power, which we have through your Spirit. Help us to apply this personally. Reveal to us, to a person, specifically, who we need to forgive, who we need to let go and release from the chains of our unforgiveness. Show us, tell us who we need to ask forgiveness of, who we need to seek out and in humility confess wrong against them and say, will you please, brother, will you please, sister, forgive me. Do a work in us. Do a work through us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.